My name is Matt Brown. Jamar is Jamar, Jamar is Lamar. University of Middle Tennessee. The Voin Shower Handle. University of Southern Mississippi. And let's start the show. Ooh, you know what it is? Sophisticated. Yes, Happening, everybody. The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, November 16th, 2023. Oh man, November 16th. Time is flying by. And we have a couple of weeks left of the regular season. Then we have the conference championship weekend. And then it's bowl season and the college football playoffs. So lots to do, lots to get into, lots to focus on. And we have a very big college football show for you. And before we get into all the football and all of the college football action, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding the show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, X and Twitter at Prod Combo Pod, Facebook at Productive Conversations, and TikTok at Productive Conversations. Well, first things first, we are going to talk all about college football, go through the big games of the week, look at the rankings again, make picks for week 12 and all that. But I just want to give a, a couple of minutes on something. And yeah, this was um, something I thought about for a, a few days on what I should do about it. What's so great about this platform, it allows us to be open and discuss things. And, you know, especially me too. So as you know, I'm from Norwalk, Connecticut. I graduated from Norwalk High School in 2013. In the fall of 2009 was when I was enrolled at Norwalk High. And I used to play the trumpet. And I did like it. I really did. And I joined the Norwalk High School marching band in the fall of 2009, not knowing what to do, not knowing about you know, what I should do or what I'm supposed to do. I'm just trying to, you know, when you're that young, right at the beginning of social media and, you know, you, you're just figuring out who you are. And I played the trumpet in middle school and I, I didn't necessarily know if I liked it or not. I thought it was just something you had to do. And, you know, I was in the march after West Rocks. I joined the Norwalk High Band. just went to the next level up, thinking that's what you're supposed to do. Or, or at least, it, you know, heck, I don't know. But I just wanted to try some things out, see what I liked and disliked. I mean, I know exactly what I wanted to do. And I'll talk about that another time when I talk about my high school experience. And hopefully I can do a big panel. Once the show becomes big, we do a news magazine and or a YouTube video essay or something. And I talk about my high school experience, what I wanted out of it. But one of the things I did decide to do was join the marching band. And, you know, again, my whole experience all four years is for another day. But Mr. Smith, my high school band teacher, the high school band director for 28 years in Norwalk High School. And I came in his last year of retirement. And you heard about this guy and you, and there was definitely an aura about him. He was a legitimate legend 
And again, not knowing what I wanted to do or, well, sorry, I did know what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to approach it and what to do in high school. I decided to join the band and I became one of his students. And yeah, that he was truly, truly a leader, a professional. And he impacted the Norwalk High School community for 28 years and so many years after that. So when we heard last weekend that he sadly passed away in a car accident in New Hampshire that ripped the heart of so many people in the Norwalk High School community, in the band community, including me, I was very, very shocked. And it was it was very heartbreaking to see. And seeing so many tributes to a man who definitely deserves it, to a man who impacted so many people's lives and especially as you get older when you learn how high school is such a difficult time for so many people for their development he truly led people in the right direction as long as you let him and even though I only had him for a year and I don't know if I was the best student or not I like to think I hope I was definitely entertaining I definitely tried to you know, put smiles on people's faces as I try to do with this platform. And he was just another teacher to me who I thought like, yeah, I, I hope that he likes me. And ultimately, uh, he was very hard on me. Uh, and he did teach me lessons, even though I was only his student for a full calendar year, I definitely took things from him and the lessons he learned with me. And I still do. And I will forever. Like for instance, about being late. I am a stickler about being late and I know I'm not perfect, but being late to me even a minute after makes my heart sink. And from that, I try to not be late no matter what, whether it's work, a job interview, a podcast recording or anything, being late and being punctual and being on time is very important to me because there was one point during band camp where I was late and you know, maybe I could have been um, my parents like, hey, we have to go. But you don't know. He, You don't know at the time like how serious it's going to be. And he made me run laps. And I held a trumpet over my head. And I never felt more like an ass in my life. But because of that lesson, I really take being ta- on time and being punctual with, with your time seriously. And I thank Mr. Smith for that. I really do. I remember how generous he really was. And he, like I said, he did give this aura, but he was very, very, he expected a lot out of you. And no matter where you came from, he believed in you and he was hard on you, but for a good reason. And that for 28 years or so many generations, he changed people's lives like that. And he made them better men and women and also other people of part of other communities. He made people better. And he was really there for the students. And he knew what the hell he was doing, too. And if you wanted to learn how to be a leader, you saw him lead by example. And he made you proud to be from Norwalk, Connecticut as well. He was a special person. And I just want to share two more stories really quick. And one about his his how well he was able to notice talent. So Taylor Swift, and Taylor Swift's important to this pod. She really is an important person to this podcast because she has given us so much content and will continue to give us content. And I love and appreciate her so much. And she had her debut album in my freshman year of high school. You Belong With Me was the lead single. 
and you know, 2009, we still we had iPods and we had iTunes, and you know, we had early YouTube to listen to music. And I don't remember what exactly the context was, but he, people were talking about what's better, like hip hop or you know, country and rock at the time. So somebody said, "Hey, listen to this new Little Wayne," and then listen to this Taylor Swift. Listens to Little Wayne, wasn't his style. Then he listened to Taylor Swift, and he was in awe of her. And he pointed out all the instrumentation and her talent and her singing ability. And you know what? Who would have thought, you know, a decade later, she is the biggest pop star in the world and truly an amazing person to look up to. And shouts to Mr. Smith for pointing that out, even in her debut album. And then my last story I want to share about Mr. Smith, and this means a lot to me. And it, it, I always think about this every randomly all the time. He was no doubt, despite being a very disciplined teacher and making sure you were on your shit. He was truly a, a father figure to people and he looked out for people no matter what. These stories you hear about students who were in absolute horrendous situations and he was the one there for them. It, it was a beautiful thing. And again, trying to figure out what I wanted to do in high school, I was a sound tech assistant for the spring musical. I wanted to be play baseball, but it didn't work out. But I did this instead. And, you know, again, I, I don't know what's going on. And, you know, n not communicating with my parents and stuff. And, you know, you finish school and then you had rehearsal like an hour after. And, and again, I really wanted to work the sound tech and behind the scenes. And he gave me that opportunity. And then I, you know, not knowing what to do and how to communicate, really, I didn't, I remember before rehearsal, I just didn't have any, anything to eat. And I didn't tell anyone or mention it. And he somehow knew, and he gave me a Big Mac. That was my dinner that night. And I can honestly say that was the first Big Mac I ever had, even at 14 years old. And I have that distinct image in my head in the Norwalk High School Auditorium in the dark, right in, with the house lights off. We're about to rehearse for Les Miserables. And he gives me this Big Mac. And I, I thought it was the nicest thing ever. And he didn't have to do that. I don't know how he knew I didn't have dinner or not, but he gave that to me. And that really means a lot to this day. And I think about that all the time. And how important it is to be out there for people and help and give a helping hand as long as you can. And yeah, hearing last weekend that he's no longer with us was very, very sad to hear because he was a special man. He will forever be a special man and his legacy will live on not only to be a great musician, but to be a great person and to always give back and always remember where you are from. Jeffrey Smith will miss you. Thank you for letting me be your student. Thank you for being there for your students, even people who weren't a band, who weren't in band. Thank you for being there for them. Thank you for being there for parents and alumni. And thank you for teaching us what it means to be a special person in this world. And I only hope I can be a leader like you someday. Thank you, Mr. Smith. 
we will never forget you. So yes, um, that's that. Let's move on to other things. As I mentioned, time to talk about some college football. Week 11, crucial stuff happened. And it's time to talk about it with Alex and Nico. So let's do it, guys. Let's talk about week 11 in the college football season and look ahead to week 12. Let's do it. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. College football is just a couple of weeks away from ending its regular season, and more of these games are more crucial than ever. So we are going to discuss week 11 of the college football season. Week 11, look ahead to week 12. And before you know it, we have the biggest rivalry games next week amongst Thanksgiving, your conference championships after that. And then it's the bowl season, so let's get into it because there are some important things to talk about. Nico and Alex are here. What's up, gentlemen? How we doing? What up? You know me. I'm just so dandy. And, yeah, as you mentioned on our football show, Nico, we're really um, at the wire. Thanksgiving is next week. And, um, I mean, look, we're we're here. And uh, (laughs) that's how you know. So why don't we first get into it? And then we'll also talk about a little college basketball at the end of the show as well. So first things first, let's look at the rankings for the top 25 in college football. So the top nine stayed the same. Everybody who's supposed to be there is supposed to be there for the most part. Or excuse me, I should say the top eight are the same. Now, some things to note. Despite Alabama's huge blowout victory, they stay at number eight. We'll get into them um, shortly. Louisville goes up two spots. They're now a top 10 team at number nine. Oregon State gets a gets up two spots. They're 10th. Some of the biggest jumps includes Missouri going up five spots. How about that? Five spots for the Missouri Tigers. Penn State went down after losing to Michigan three spots. They're ranked 12th. So did Ole Miss with that loss to Alabama down to 13. Oklahoma goes up a few, goes up to 14. LSU's at 15. Utah goes down to 16. Tulane. James Madison keeps rising up the ranks at 18 and staying undefeated. And the University of Arizona, even though there was a report this week that they may actually cut their sports program due to budgeting issues. We hopefully don't see that. They're doing 19 and are looking good in college basketball as well. Notre Dame went up to uh, Tennessee after their beatdown loss to Missouri goes down to 21. North Carolina and Duke had a thriller on Saturday night. Double OT victory that led to them staying in the top 25. They're 22. Kansas State is in. Oklahoma State went down nine for 24. And we have Liberty represented in the FCS at 25. So, guys, from what we have right here right now, do you feel this is accurate? you feel there's any uh, omissions? How do we feel about the top 25 going into week 11, week tw- going into week 12? Yeah, um, it, it basically couldn't really change the top eight at all. You couldn't really shake it. Um, I'm still against it. I stand by what I said last week. I still, even though I uh, feel like Washington should have been in the four over Florida State, but the committee, after releasing the standings last week for the first time and obviously this week for the second time, um, you got to keep Florida State in that four spot, unfortunately. Um, I, I would like to see Washington go up to uh, four, even after that tough win against Utah. Um, Florida State struggled with Miami, but hey, 
we mentioned it earlier, we're, we have two weeks to go until championship Saturday. So, like, at this point, it's really hard to take a team out of the top four when you already have them in there. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, I still a firm believer that Florida State's going to – something's going to catch up to them and uh, Washington's going to somehow sneak in or Oregon in the winner of the Pac-12. Yeah, um, I kind of have the same gripe. Um, I'm waiting for a domino to drop with Florida State. Um, I feel like the committee just just diminishes the value of the Pac-12, um, you know, and for some of it for just reason with their past history. But I think that's why they have Washington on the outside looking in. Um, I also understand why you couldn't budge on Bama because Texas has already beaten them. And Oregon's been lights out since the beginning of the season, um, with the exception of the Washington game. So I totally understand the rationale there. I think Missouri's kind of getting snubbed at 11. I would put them, I would have them use Oregon State. Um, but I understand them being right at that 11 spot as well. And um, honestly, I would drop Ole Miss and Oklahoma at least one spot further because the reality is that James Madison's playing dominant, uh, uh, dominant fashion um i understand they're playing who they're playing but you got to put a little more credit on them and i would probably slide them right up to 17 um and uh, the only other issue i have is carolina i would have them usurp tennessee as of today but of course that could be subject to change with their inconsistency their inconsistency in the play of acc so Again, it's just a matter of finagling positioning, but um, I think all the teams that are supposed to be here are here. It's just a matter of how you want to hierarchically rank them. Really? So we think Tennessee really uh, messed up last last week with that big blowout victory, blowout loss to Missouri. And, you know, James Madison is like the uh, last decade's University of Central Florida, a team that truly is dominant, a team that has professional players on it, you could argue, reckon, I do have to go into more with the JMU uh, roster, but I see some some skilled players in there, and um, yeah, it's just it's funny. This problem is happening again. You play in a lesser conference, but you're still dom- you're, But you're still, you know, you're sorry. I should restart. You play in a lesser conference, but you still are a dominant program, and it's just hard to compare and contrast. That's just. One of the things about American collegiate athletics, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, though, like mentioning that, um, that's why I'm excited for the 12 team playoff next year because you can mm-hmm. give the James Madison a shot. You can give the UCFs of the past a shot. Um, yeah. So that so that's the that, that's my biggest gripe there is like it really sucks that we weren't 12 for the past couple of years because we missed out on those great UCF teams and everything that who who knows? They remember a couple of years ago and they beat Auburn. In the mm-hmm. in the bowl, and like it was ridiculous. Like you never knew what one of those teams could have done. Even like ten years ago, like those Boise State teams that were undefeated. Like yeah, if you gave these teams a shot, that's why I'm super excited for the twelve team playoff next season. Yeah, me too. Crucial content I, to get ready for. Yeah, yeah. You took the words out of my mouth because all I think, all I hearken back to every single time is UCF, and the only way they're going to get out of that situation is moving up into a better conference and stacking their schedule. So um, that's just kind of the way that James Mass needs to go about it too. All right. Why don't we now talk about these crucial victories and losses? that created this top 25 panel. So Michigan and Penn State was the game we wanted to discuss and wanted to see. Right after our college football show was announced that Jim Harbaugh would be suspended for the rest of the regular season. 
could not be with the team in the facility. I believe he could still practice, but um, he will not be returning until at least the conference championship and um, still have to secure their spot there. So there's some big games, including that very big Ohio State and Michigan. Now, obviously, we will cover that next week when the game actually takes place. But this important game with Penn State, after their loss, they went from 9 to 12. And um, I thought Michigan would have a more dominant victory. It was kind of close throughout. But regardless, they hit their spread and they still got the victory. But um, you were very into Penn State, Nico. You're very, you're no doubt a huge supporter of them. Well, what do you think about this loss and them going down the rankings and if they could still make that Big Twelve championship? Yeah, no, they're uh, Penn State's done. Um, unfortunately, Aww. it's the same. It's it's just another year. It's the same song we sing every year. Uh, you lose a Penn, uh, Michigan, you lose uh, Ohio State, and that's it. They go ten and two. They're like the Pittsburgh Steelers of the NFL. They're just they're happy with beating mediocre. It appears like they're just happy about it. They're not winning titles right now. They're not doing anything. They're just winning some bowl games, winning the Outback Bowl, and that's about it. Um, but on the other thing, um, I do want to say, and I stand by it, stand by it for my fourth week in a row. And I just can't believe the suspension in Harbaugh. This is absolute bullshit. Um, I hate it. I hate it. It just sends a bad look to me. Um, I, again, I was on the side where I didn't really see anything too wrong with it, um, which I was in the minority there. But even if you did have a problem with it, this is just an unfair and unjust penalty, in my opinion. Um, I think, if anything, maybe you should have given them a game. But the whole season, Ohio State's a playoff game. Yeah, it's a regular season game on your schedule, but that game is going to determine who can possibly be your national champion. And to have him sidelined for that game in two weeks is just – actually, next week is just absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah, it is absurd. And um, whatever you think of how heinous the <clears throat> the uh, allegations are, I just – it doesn't make sense, the rationale, the the wherewithal, the follow-through, because if you're going to spend them – suspend them all the way through, like why is he coming back to the championship game? Why is he getting suspended through the remainder of the regular season? It makes no sense at all. Um, so, like, all of a sudden, like, whatever his incursions are, they just don't have an effect on a championship game, but – I digress. It's um, what I took from this game with Michigan is that Nico said it. I mean, Penn State's done. They're a quality team. Um, I just thought that they would give it a little more shake up at the top of the Big Ten. So I was holding out to see how this game would play out. But um, again, they're just a damn good team, a 10 win team. Um, They'll be in a bowl as usual, but they're not the likes of Michigan or Ohio State or FSU or Georgia this year, unfortunately. And um, they're, you know, they got some, they got some fine tuning to do for next year, and see what James Franklin brings back to roll out next year. That's my one thing. People have criticized James Franklin for not winning the big game for Penn State. How much longer would you guys give him the leash before there has to be a change to be made, or do you think he has the ability to change it around? And um, especially with nil deals, will they be able to recoup better than their contemporaries? And then we'll finish it off with some more Michigan stuff. I think they're recruiting well, and I think he's on the ascension. I wouldn't say he's turning it around. I just think that he's in the process of ascending. And we're only comparing him by what our expectations are of Penn State as a football program. Do I think they're going to be a Michigan-Ohio State? Absolutely not. Um, And that kind of proved out this year, and I stand by that moving forward. I think that there's a year where you could have a down recruitment class, 
like a Michigan or Ohio State, and they could steal a game on them and possibly usurp one of them and make that four spot, or even in the eight-team playoff, they could be a six, seven, or an eight. That's very possible. But as as it stands, uh, I think James Franklin has a lot of work to do, but he's definitely ascending. Yeah, uh, I I agree. Um, he's a great recruiter. But my biggest gripe with that is two years ago, you should have got rid of him before that massive contract extension they gave him. Um, might have been even last offseason. I just didn't understand that move. Um, just because you're like – I, again, it's like a Mike Tomlin there in Pittsburgh. You're just fine with winning games, fine with winning the Outback Bowl, but you're never going to compete with these Michigans. You're never going to compete with these Ohio States if you keep doing the same thing, same song every single season. Um, so I, I really don't know where you go from here because you have them on this massive contract, and now what are you going to do? Now you have to swap have a Jimbo, Ohio State at home. I have a Jimbo situation. One of the things that took place this past week and after Texas A&M's loss, Jimbo Fisher is out. They are going to pay out the rest of his contract, $75 million. And, yeah, womp, womp there. Um, I know the, right, we'll go back to Michigan real quick, but you just mentioned the contract extensions. And clearly this is another program with that problem. Reckon I think this is clearly never going to change. These coaches clearly in the college or professionals in the NFL, they're going to get paid. And, you know, a lot of people think too much. A lot of people think too little. And, um, I mean, it, does it bother you compared to how much it bothers some other people? It didn't work out. Texas A&M will get their oil money. They'll get their – they'll still ride off the Manziel coattails. And they're just a moneymaker. I don't think it's that big of a deal. But it's, it's amazed me how many people are, are offended by this. I, I just didn't – I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about the firing myself. I'm not like offended by it by any means. Like I don't like, <laughs> I, I just like think like when you have a guy like Jimbo Fisher, when you have a guy that's so elite, I don't think James Franklin's on a level like that. Um, I think Jimbo is on a certain level where if you're losing right now and the program's not right, you have to write out a contract to the guy like that. You, you, you're paying him no matter what anyway. So what does it really matter? Um, I think he did have an opportunity to get that program back to what it was, um, load up that defense and everything. But we have to remember, before Manziel got there, like Texas A&M really wasn't anything. Um, and it, it, they weren't like – if you're a kid and you have an option and you're playing at that university, it's hard because if you're getting recruited to Texas A&M, 90% of the time you're getting recruited to Oklahoma and Texas. So where are you going to go? And that's, that's just my decision. My statement on that. No, I, I totally agree. Again, we're we're setting this against expectations. Um, we know that the SEC has always been a gauntlet, but if you go back, I mean, look, he went from a seven-win team, eight, nine, eight, and then, um, you know, thus far he's been a five-win team. But the reality is um, I just don't know what the barometer is for Texas A&M. So you could say he's taking steps back. Um, you know, post Manziel, but, um, you know, they've, they've had quality wins over the year. Um, it's just a matter what it boils down to is, are you competing as a top tier candidate for the, both these NILs and the recruitment classes? Because we know Texas, Florida, California are the three hotbeds and you can throw Georgia and Ohio in there. But, um, I think that this is the university's message that, they're not effing around moving forward with 
the way things are shaking up with this consolidation of the Pac-12. So I think that they're forecasting that whatever NIL patterns and transfer portal patterns are coming through here um, in terms of a migrational wave, I think that they either can't compete or they want to eat that money because they know that the alternative is so great and so powerful moving forward in this consolidation effort. So I think this has more to do about what's going on with the PAC 12 and how that's going to forecast for AM moving forward. I don't think it's an incompetence thing for Jimbo Fisher. And furthermore, I think he'll get a pretty, pretty cushy second um, coaching job in this, in, in this, um, in, in another program. And with his contract, he's going to get paid either way. So good for him. Oh, yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him, honestly. Um, the timing seems weird, though. I mean, I understand it, but I think that if the Pac-12 had another year, I don't think a would be doing this. I really don't. Hey, makes sense. We just have to roll with the flow on that one. And then back to Michigan. Um, yes, I agree with you. It seems a bit egregious, and apparently this is more common than we think. But you know the NCAA wants to make uh, they want to make examples of people, their influence, you know, they'll always be the scheduler. They will always schedule the games. Their influence as a whole decreases year after year, especially with the NIL monies and the TV deals. And, you know, let's be real. No one likes the NCAA with how screwed up and corrupt they are. But with this, though, and um, but with this and the money making programs in Michigan, um. There are there are rumors. I whether this, you know, right now they are gonna file an injunction. They're gonna fight this. And rightfully so. I would like to see what an un, unbiased judge will say about this. But also there's I, I doubt we will discuss this further than what I'm gonna bring up, but there were rumors that they were so upset that Michigan would leave the big t- the Big Ten. Do you think <laughs> that's true? That's what they say. Reckon who knows? It could be just a silly insider who's making shit up just because, you know, that's what people are in the Twitter world. But it, it is it was said in credible news sources. But can you just believe that? Like, there's no way they would leave the Big Ten, especially when they're about to inherit all these big programs, USC and UCLA next year and all that. I, um, You guys think it was just a farce, maybe an overreaction? Of course. Absolutely. I think they just blew a comment out of proportion, probably. Like, okay. I think someone might have said something and been like, oh, well, like, we're, we're done with the Big Ten. We don't want anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. Like a comment like that, and they just twist right. it. Yeah, they're and, not going to be dumb enough to do such a thing. Well, I, I think sometimes the hubris of that organization does get the best of them. They kind of have like a Lakers, Yankees, Cowboys kind of a complex to them where they're such a big brand. But right. I do think that some of their gravitas is inextricably bound and brought back down to earth with Ohio state. Like if they didn't have Ohio state, I don't think they would be even taunting leaving the big 10 because I think that they need Ohio state as much as Ohio state needs them. Let's do it boys. Let's do it. All right. Now let's get into some of the big games this week. USC and Oregon, Caleb Williams versus Bo Nix now. And Caleb Williams lost again, came up short. Defense gave up 36 points, and Oregon won 37, 36 to 27. Okay, what do we get out of this? Bo Nix seems to be improving week after week after week. And like I said, there's nothing Caleb Williams could do besides getting hurt that will have him as the top the top seed. 
He's not going to win the Heisman Trophy winner. He hasn't proved it to to repeat this year. Maybe a finalist from his brand. He is keeping USC in games, but you know, he can't play defense. So regardless, what do we think about this? And uh, Bo Nix's impressive performance, throwing four touchdowns for 412 yards, 22 for 31. Absolutely. Uh, great game. Uh, another typical Pac-12 game that we've been seeing this past couple weeks. Um, I will say to make a comment about a month or two ago, uh, buy stock in a Bo Nix Heisman bet. And it, it's panning <laughs> out. Dude is legit. Uh, I I really do think he has a very good chance to win the Heisman. I really think he could beat Washington in the Pac-12 championship and Oregon could be dancing. Um, I, I really think that's a possibility. Um on the flip side of things, um, this is the first time – I'm not going to say Caleb Williams had a bad game, but this is the first time I saw him struggle since the Notre Dame game, um, even with the losses the past couple weeks in between the Notre Dame game and this past week. Um, he still balled out. Um, obviously, still had over 290 yards, uh, close to 300 yards pass, but he was very inconsistent. Um, but – Again, nothing to be concerned about. I really think that offensive line's not great. I really just think that whole team stinks besides him, and uh, that's really it. But, hey, I I think Oregon's hot. I think Oregon is on a freight train right now. And personally, I think Oregon's going to beat Washington in that title game. Oregon's going to – I want them to sneak in. I've been calling it all year. I thought that was going to happen. I would like them to sneak in, but we'll see what happens. Well, that's that's it. We'll see what happens. Um. I, it's very hard for a team like Washington to beat Oregon twice in one season. Um, I'm heavily impressed with Bo Nix. You know, we played this game of update your resume week to week, particularly in the context of the uh, the Heisman conversation. He has to be at the top. Um, he has to be the one to be dethroned through, you know, 11 weeks. So I, I just um, – I, I think that it's his to lose. Um, he couldn't have played a better game. I mean – Look, you know, he was he was he was four of nine on, th- on third down, which is, is very impressive. They still took care of they took care of the ball throughout the game. They limited the turnovers and, um, you know, he hit he hit guys in stride like he had he had set seven different um, six different receivers. Um, he was just he was lights out throughout the game. Um, it, it's really hard for USC when they're they only know how to win games one way to out shoot a team that can't be outshot, which is Oregon. It's just, they, they're just an, such an electrifying offense that you, you, you can't fight fire with fire in that regard. And um, I just think that it's unfortunate to see the way Caleb has to go down like this. And um, it's going to be tough because when you go, when you, you're kind of seeing some foreshadowing of what's going to happen to him with a battle line that he gets drafted to wherever that may be. Um, so he's going to have to adjust his game as well. He's not infallible. But um, a huge win for Oregon, no doubt. It's going to be fun to talk about. Very fun <clears throat> to talk about. All right. Alabama and Kentucky played each other. Alabama went over to Kentucky, and they won 49-21. to I talked about Jalen Milrow very early in the college football season. He looked very good in the first three games. Non-existent, lost his job in the middle part of the season, comes back. And Alabama has been scoring, and they are nine and one, but still were not able to rise up the rankings. Not a lot of time left. Um, record Kentucky. I think if Kentucky was a ranked team, this would be much different, but they're not. But um, 
And quite frankly, there's nothing you could do about it. They're going to play Chattanooga next week. Let's be real. That's going to be a beat down. And then the week after that, you have your big Auburn game. But unfortunately, Auburn isn't Auburn of of later, of past years. Um, and now after this, it, it's really hitting. Unless they could get into the SEC championship, which they will play against Georgia, that is, match is set. It seems like if they could beat Georgia in the SEC championship, that might be the only way they'll be able to make the college football playoff at this point because they're not playing hard. Their schedule is is pretty easy for the rest of the season. You just don't want a, a huge upset where Auburn is playing spoiler to you. That's the only thing you got to worry about, and you, you can't take that game lightly. Yeah, definitely. No, I, you go. Uh. Yeah, no, I'll keep it quick. Um yeah, you definitely, definitely don't want to play spoiler and and toy around with that team. Um, it's kind of like Red River. It's like even if one team is down or the imbalance of the rivalry is is out of whack, um, you still got to bring your best for that for that Saturday. But um, you know Auburn's definitely not the yesteryear team that we remember with Cam Newton and all those boys. So um, I, I think. Bama, you know, again, it's they can only do so much. Um, even with the, with the quality wins that they've had, it's just the first third of the season is kind of hard for the committee and people like ourselves and, and myself to un, unremember. Um, they really struggled mightily. I understand they've, of course, corrected since then. You know, they blew out to a 14-point lead in the first quarter of this game. So um, I, I am, you know – impressed as the 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 season finishes with Milro. I think they were able to kind of kick his ass in the rear gear and kind of get that offense going and you know props to saving for course correcting but uh, there's really not much more wiggle room that they can offer right now unless you get a loss from a Washington or um, a Texas yeah uh, I so here's my question for you, Alex. Before I send my take, I just have a question. So if they do go in, they win out, they beat Georgia, who, who, who do you put in? Over Georgia? In regards to Georgia, Texas, and Bama. Over Georgia, Texas, and Bama. Well, I'm not putting yeah. Texas in regardless. You're talking about the mobility through one through eight? No. So, like, if, if, Bama, if Bama wins out, beats Georgia, Georgia loses that game to Bama, Right. You put both. You put both of them in, like you let Bama in over Texas. No, absolutely not. But I don't. But I don't put Texas in the top four either, because okay. we still have. Yeah, because I'm assuming that Florida State's going to run the table. They're going to probably hold that four, even if I don't agree with it. And I think that Michigan and Ohio State, even if one of them has one loss, I still think they're a higher quality um shoe in for the two and three so it's just going to be a matter of if the committee holds georgia or they let like you know god forbid a washington or an oregon and then the other three slide up it's going to be really interesting i know it's a long shot i agree it's a long shot but i just i don't know i i I don't know what it's going to take for this committee to come around to recognizing and actually putting the proper emphasis weight on what the competition of the Pac-12 is this year. I understand their biases. We've been there. We agree with it for years past and all the burden of proof is on the past for that. But it's just like, you have to look at how stacked these top three teams are in the, in the Pac-12 right now. Absolutely. Right. As they're yeah. about to leave too. Right. It's just brutal timing. You know, I, I, I personally do think, I mean, it's so like I just I know like a lot of our talks the next couple of weeks are going to be about this committee and what they're going to do, but like I I really just 
to me, it's just so challenging. I think the worst thing for the committee this past week was a Penn State one. I think they're happy that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And now I just really don't know what they're going to do if Bama wins that game for Georgia. Bama wins out. Florida State wins out. Oregon beats Washington. Texas wins out. Like I, I just don't know how you could tell a team like Georgia you're not in after being undefeated for nearly – 750 days like it, it's just the only thing would be george's very weak schedule but well, they, regardless the one, they did take care of them and still got those wins oh well just to kind of push back i can the only thing i can definitively tell you from the one through eight is that texas is not making the playoff like that i can sure. guarantee see see like my whole thing is though like say say for some reason florida state loses no. okay Florida State loses ACC team. I think ACC and Big 12 should be disqualified then, in my opinion. Their conferences are that bad. I think the Big mm-hmm. 12's already disqualified. See, yeah. I think it should be, especially how bad Oklahoma's been. But my whole thing is if Bama, say Florida State does get beat, and yep. say it comes in a situation where Bama beats Georgia, how can you put Bama in over that Texas team? How do you do it? Well, you wouldn't do that. I would keep, if, if Bama beats Georgia, even if it's in dominant fashion, I still have. Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, Florida State. Like I would, I would, I would just change. I would change the order, or I would have a Washington or an Oregon, depending on who wins the title game. Because again, I just can't. Like I understand that the SEC. Like I hate. I understand that the committee hates um, the Pac-12 and they favor the SEC. You know, when push comes to shove, but I just don't think that gun to their head, they can tell us with complete confidence that you're going to have a one loss Bama team, the way they've played the first three, the first third of the season over a Pac-12 team. Sure, I, I, just I, can't, I can't see it. I see the thing is, I, it shouldn't be the case, but it's something the committee would do, I think. I, I really do. I think oh, if yeah. Bama beats, if Bama beats Georgia, I just, I wonder what's going to happen. Um, yeah. But yeah. Bama only can control what they can control. Just have to win out, beat Georgia, and see what happens. And that's that's my only take on that. Uh that was a great performance against Kentucky. Yeah, definitely. All right, moving on. Here's the thing I wanted to discuss, and I understand you may feel it's been a bit redundant talking about the Colorado Buffaloes. <laughs> oh, boy. But oh, here's the boy. thing I want to discuss here. We lose to Arizona after being up by hat, after being up, after being up at the half. Um, and then they were even up going into the fourth quarter and they lose off a walk off field goal. And the only thing I want to talk about here, Colorado four and six, clearly if they want to make a bowl game and probably be like the Kraft macaroni and cheese bowl or the Jimmy Kimmel bowl, um, that's going to be um, the thing that would get them in because one more loss this season is over. And um, though I think I mentioned the over-under was three, they did be overcome that if you build a future on them. They've had a horrendous, after starting off hot and um, until the org, it was pretty much their season ended in the Oregon game in week five. And, I just think about like, wow, it is insane how hyped this program was. I mean, Deion Sanders was the thing in the sports world and even in the news world talking about how big he was. Six, he was on 60 Minutes once again. You have first take going to see them. You have Pat McAfee going to see them. You have celebrity, you have Little Wayne performing 
you have little Wayne performing them as they run out the tunnel. And you had all these celebrities. You had the rock come in to give just to hang out and everybody want to be around Dion. And here's the thing why it's important for us to stay on this topic, because we've been on this the whole way through because they are not. No one wants anything to do with Colorado anymore. They forgot all about him. And I take pride on this show for paying attention and seeing where this goes. And you guys should, too. So there really isn't much to talk about here as the season's going, but that bad loss against the ranked team really could have helped. Colorado used to be ranked too, but the fall from grace is really fascinating. I still think he will be able to have a strong recruiting class and with the NIL deals, but um, also if you keep losing, it's just like, Man, it's just crazy how no one wants anything to do with these guys anymore. And they were the thing to talk about. It just shows it's an it's just a reflection on our society. We care about what's hot. And, you know, when Fush came to sell with this program, no defense, um, no offensive line whatsoever. Shador Sanders, people were talking about him being a Heisman Trophy winner. And he's let's be real as a whole. He's only played all right. He's not going to be a finalist. He has to come back next year for people who are crazy enough to say he was going to draft. He has to come back to prove himself against these bigger programs as well. And <clears throat> they're about to go to the Big 12. We'll see if they can revitalize that conference who you guys just mentioned are eliminated from college football playoff. It's just fascinating where Colorado has gone from here in mid-November to compare to where they were at the beginning of September. Isn't it just fat? I don't know. I'm just fascinated with you guys. I just want to see what you guys think. I think it was very predictable. Uh, I I don't think before the season was predictable. I think you're right. I think it was awesome. They brought the likes of The Rock. You did all of that stuff. I think it's the same thing I've been saying. I, I think it's great for the future. The future in Colorado is bright. You're going to be able to get these recruits. Like, if I was a kid that had an opportunity, how do I not want to go with someone that walked out with Little Wayne? Like, that, I'd be all over. Yeah, right. I'd, I'd go there in a heartbeat. Um, but at the end of the day, they just weren't a very talented team. <laughs> Um, their win total was set at three and a half for a reason, and that reason has just been getting improved over and over the past couple of weeks. And uh, I don't expect this team to do anything, and they're not going to make a bowl this season. But future's bright. We'll see what they can do going down the road. Yeah, Matt, I think you raised a great angle to your assessment of like staying on this topic and why it matters because you, you made it. You made a good cultural criticism about you know, our, how we kind of fall in love with the hot thing. I think that the way that they, everybody flooded in and how Dion was impactful for the league and the sport to have this viewership and all these eyes on this team, even if they were overhyped and overblown, um, it shows you that the, the, the ability to be swayed comes and goes like at the blink of an instant. So yeah. just as much as they had that popularity and fame and all the pom-poms and rah-rahs and all this goofy nonsense, it could go in a heartbeat as well because that's the type of fans they attract. So it's not right. a knock on, it's not a knock on, um, you know, the, 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 the board there, um, you know, the, the, the academic, um, the, the collegiate people that do all that great work in Colorado or the students, the student body, but it's more the fanfare around it outside of that. It just comes and goes with everything else. And it kind of goes to show you that at the end of the year, no matter who, who's winning and who's losing, the fans are going to be here and they're going to be following their teams regardless. And um, the, the student body is going to be there as well. And um, I don't know. I just, it's, it's a really weird, it's a really unusual experiment. I don't know if Colorado's future is bright. This is still an ongoing experiment. Um, 
I was a little more hopeful that his impact and his ripple effect was going to permeate in a more positive manner. Um, it hasn't really panned out to be that way. I think they're trying to take it out of the public eye because it is kind of an eyesore. It's hard to watch it age. And it, we just don't know how genuine, how authentic and how, or versus how manufactured this process has been. Um, it's been a really unusual experiment to say the least. Um, I, I'm, the more I step back away from it, you know, I assess this, you know, a, a third of the uh, way through the season. And now we're about a few weeks out. It's just um, it kind of perplexes me more as the weeks go by. Um, we'll, we'll have to see what happens on the offseason. I agree with you, Alex, um, very much. And thank you for saying that before, too. It's just the matter of that's the thing, because it's so removed away and reckon I don't, you know, these recruiting, you know, it's crucial in December with early decisions and stuff like that. Like, how does that all pan out? And how much do you care about, you know, playing for Dion compared to where you want to take your next, next, where you want to go to the next level in the transfer portal and all that. And is Dion, is it only, is he only as effective as, as much um, media attention as he is? Because pretty much when the cameras were gone, the program like went back to a reality <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's just clearly the conversation is going to take more time to talk about. We have a few. Yeah. We just have to see where this all goal goes, and it clearly shows if you're not winning, the rock isn't showing up. Little baby's not coming through. Um, you're not having the special first take coming in every week. Um, like somebody said it perfectly, Colorado the first two weeks, the first three weeks of the year was. It was Lynn San was Lynn Sanity. It was the it was. exact same thing. Doing well for two weeks and then going back to reality. I mean what and it shows ultimately the casuals. Colorado is the perfect um college football team to love for casuals. And I asked a friend today who was all up on Dion saying, I'm a Colorado fan. He's like, Hey, you remember Dion? He said, Who's that? Like <laughs> there you go. Um it just shows that that's just for casuals. And that's fine. I, I learned to appreciate more casuals. Just, um, you know, do your thing. And about that Lynn Sanity, Lynn Sanity is the most overrated, stupid thing I've ever seen. In my <laughs> it is crazy how many people think that that was, was it a special time? I guess in the sense of it's not like going to others, but it's crazy how many people really hold on to it. And it shows how many casual Nick fans there are like, that's stupid. With As people. a casual NBA fan, I love when Santa. <laughs> well, exactly. But Matt, like just to, just to kind of dovetail off that nicely, there is an interesting like parallel between uh, Dion and Lynn Sanity just in terms of the ripple effect because it was so it was so quick, it was so fast, it was such an immediate peak, and again, it's two minority players permeating their their position in the league, like. There was like what you can count on one hand how many successful Asian NBA players there were. So I think right. it was that's why it had such a big cultural ripple ripple effect. And then with the history behind with Dion, like he came from HBCU, um, he's making waves where you know uh, in terms of position coaches, yeah, you have more black position coaches, but you don't have a lot of you know um, college football coaches, cream of the crop that are making seven, eight, nine million dollars. So I think that he, when he entered that space and shook things up and had immediate instant impact beating TCU week one, like I, it just it just felt like such a meteoric rise. And I don't know how manufactured it is versus how real it is. 
And but the one thing I can say for sure that thus I've seen is that the following and uh, behind it has been the most fair weather BS I've ever seen. And it's unfortunate because I don't know if it's indicative of where the sport is moving because we know the NCAA, the college football route is trying to mirror itself more like the NFL. As the weeks go by, as the season goes by, you're seeing all these efforts being made where they're trying to get their ducks in order to have more crash collision course big huge saturday matchups like the nfl and i don't know how much that is good for the sport or for the integrity of it and i don't know how much that dion is equipped to handle something like that as well i think eventually even with his um what i think a positive ego and confidence he will be able to manage that and we'll just see this how telling this recruiting class is and i know he's also bringing in some bigger coaches i think warren Sapp is joining the offensive staff i don't know if he's a coordinator or a or running backs or or position coach, but you know, that's the one that's all these things to add. It's it's just gonna be really interesting. And um any way to help, you know, um all people of color in getting their shot, it's great. And if you want to um put an extra emphasis in media attention, fine by me. And um just highlight and put the right people in the right positions. So that took a little more time than I expected. I didn't want to just mention ha ha to Rutgers getting shut out by Iowa. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say on that one. But um, <laughs> Rutgers, but it was interesting that uh, Greg Shiano talked about, you know, we have to go extra hurdles because we don't have NIL money compared to the Ohio States, Michigans and all of that. Interesting comments there. And um, anything, have anything to say to that? No, the, uh, I don't have anything to say to comment. So I, I was shocked at Iowa coming in at 16. Um, I, I was very surprised. I feel like they're a little overrated, but mm-hmm. that, offense, that offense is just pitiful. <laughs> Team. But Georgia beat, Georgia beat ninth-ranked Ole Miss. Um, they beat Mississippi by a score of 52-17. to 17. Very telling. That's a very big win for them. Finally playing a ranked pro opponent and a – top 10 team and um and spanking them what do we think about that game i was very excited to talk about this game uh i I will say um georgia answered questions that i've been having all year and i'm uh i know youtube been having similar questions like georgia struggled with a lot of these teams i think and it was very good for georgia kirby smart and the boys to come out there and just be like yeah, we're still fucking Georgia. We're the national champs. Like they just came out fired up, proved their dominance. Um, really for the first time this season, we really, really saw them come out like this. Um, which hey, I think is going to be great. Um, you have a couple tough games left, and then you, you yeah, Bama before you get into the playoffs. Um, so you're going to be tested a little more, and uh, I'm very excited to see what Georgia can do from here on out and three peat possibly. Three hundred yards on the ground. I mean, it's just unbelievable the, the way they bludgeoned Old Miss. Like, if you just saw that stat line, I wouldn't even be able to. I wouldn't even need to read any more of the box score because that means that you are bludgeoning another team. I'm surprised that they didn't run up time of possession. But again, Nico took the words out of my mouth. Like, it's the dominance that we've been waiting to see all year from Georgia. Um, I think that they needed a game like this, even if it came week 11 or if it came week seven, it needed to happen. Um, 
they solidified as to why they needed to be back up at number one. Um, I thought they were a soft one the entire season, and this just proved me otherwise. But, uh, you know, shout out to uh, Lane Kiffin for getting his ass whooped. <laughs> Something simple like that sometimes. And then a game that was closer than what appeared to happen. Um, Duke and North Carolina go back and forth. And Drake May leads Duke. Sorry, leads the University of North Carolina, leads the Tar Heels to a victory at double overtime. Drake, you know, people are thinking who is going to be the quarterback to be selected behind Caleb Williams. Um, Drake May has been a uh, Drake, Drake May's name has been picked as the guy who will get drafted behind him. Reckon we have some weeks to go. I'm going to throw to the floor. What did you think about um, his big win against Duke? And then I'll also get the odds on um, on the second overall pick at the moment. But what do we get out of this game and Drake May's performance? I'm so happy you brought that up, Matt, um, because I actually, about this game, when we saw it was the topic for today, I just highlighted, I highlighted second overall quarterback, question mark. I, I think he is. Um, after this performance, I really do think um, – it solidifies he had a great game. He he hasn't been having a like not that I'm saying he's having a bad year. I expected a lot better of a year, but I think he's just shown so many signs of light that you need to see in an NFL quarterback. And um I still I have him as my guy Ben Kill Williams, but also talking about the game itself. Um what a football game. Uh, nothing like a Carolina Duke basketball rivalry, but hey, let them <laughs> battle it out in the gridiron and uh it's a great game for everyone watching. Um and um I thought it was an impressive win because we keep saying we, we kept calling the ACC these ankle biter teams. This is another matchup of these two teams playing each other and um, the game delivered. It was another great matchup on uh, this past Saturday. Yeah, there's something about a two loss team that like instantly kind of couches everybody's re- uh, team with re- reservations. But I think for all the reasons you mentioned, I think Drake may like, I don't know. I'm still not convinced that he's the number two guy. I still think Bo Nix and Penix, they're still kind of in that realm. It just depends on what teams are drafting for what, um, what purpose in terms of the quarterback position, how they want to run their offense, and who's the best, you know, intangibly at that position. So I'm going to hold off on that. But I, I do think that we're kind of looking down on Carolina because of the two losses. And I thought this was a very impressive win. Um, the ACC again is not super top heavy. We, we've gone through all the proverbial, you know, mentions of all the other teams, you know, all, you know, one through twelve. But I think that Carolina, you know, if they if they had a little more structure, a little more consistency through the season to back up and support Drake May on the defensive side of the ball and not give up forty five points to a mediocre Duke team, I think that we would be looking at them in a more positive light. We would be looking at them as a top ten team. Uh, if they were a nine and one and had a better performance from the defensive side of the ball. Good stuff. And I have those odds at this moment from Vegas insiders. Um, Obviously Caleb may picked number one overall minus 500. So they do have Drake may second at plus 600 Marvin Harrison jr. From Ohio state plus 2000 Quinn and Ewers, the Texas quarterback plus twenty two hundred, and Olomia Olomua Fashanu, which I totally yeah. messed that up. Can you, can you, the, the Penn State oh, offensive God, yeah. tackle plus three three um three thousand. Then Pennick Jr. at 
plus 3,500. Okay. Um, J.J. McCartney at plus 5,000, the Michigan quarterback. Brock Bowers made some noise, the big tight end out of Georgia's plus 6,000. Um, Bo Nix at plus 10,000. <laughs> that's that's oh. robbery. If he makes a run and wins the Heisman, he's going to be up where Drake May is. Mark my words. It's just that he's like 26 years old. I think. No, I don't know if he's that old. But, but, but Bo Nix but so is pretty was, old, so, too. But so was Burrow. He made a run, and he ended up being the number one. True. Well, I will say, the only other thing I will say, um, I think a lot of that – uh, those odds come down to who is picking because if the bears, if the giants somehow get the one and the bears get the number overall uh, number two overall pick and they don't trade that pick, it's obviously a no brainer for Marvin uh, Harrison jr. Cause they need that playmaker with fields. But if you do, right. Which I think the bears, I know we're not talking about the NFL tonight, but I, I just think that was the odds depend on who is, um, going to be picking, but I will say, I wonder what the Vegas odds are. You probably can't even bet it on quarterback selection. Like who was the second quarterback off the board? I wonder if that's, they have odds yeah. on that. Yeah. That's my question too. Cause these, these quarterbacks, they, they're, they, they come in very different forms as we know. And I wouldn't have taken Bryce Young as high. I wouldn't have taken him one over CJ Stroud, regardless of what I knew now that we're into the NFL season. I just don't think you take a guy under six feet unless you have a certainty that he, is a difference maker beyond belief. Like he has to be so blowing you out of the water because you have to even look at like Drake, uh, like like Drew Brees dropped in the draft. I mean, he went to San Diego. Russell Wilson dropped in the draft. He was just a little guy out of Wisconsin. Um, Baker Baker was way overvalued because of the run they made in the playoff. So I just think that these guys, you know, it's a double edged sword because the um you know the, the draft rooms they fall in love with guys who make these deep runs. Um, into the playoff, and I f- and I feel like that's beneficial if you're looking at a Bo Nix. But the other side is that there's a smaller guy who may have a David and Goliath situation and really run the table, and then they fall in love with him, and he may not have the intangibles to hold up in the in the league at the next level. It's all right. You made a great take on the show yesterday. I'll plug in the show yesterday. Check it out. <laughs> NFL uh, our NFL productive conversations podcast from yesterday um but uh, you made a great great take uh with kyler murray and the bryce Young comparison because kyler murray's that game changer even at oklahoma he was that guy that was running around making plays with his legs doing what he could do and yeah it was a, it was a great take so let's make some picks for week 12 and then end it off with a little college basketball discussion so let's go with the big games that matter here and then um Next week's picks will be very crucial. So week 12. How about that, guys? We're at week 12. I know. We will take it all in. So the games that really just stick out for me include um, we do have Michigan at Maryland with their spread is minus 19. Michigan's on the road. Um, Another game... Without Jim Harbaugh, your over-under is 15-and-a-half. I think it's fair that Michigan will have a hard time blowing this game. But um, I even think they'll hit their, their over. Very important game to keep that number three position going into the very big Ohio State game. What do we get out of this? 
Um, my my bet that I have in this game is Michigan, and my bet is not so much based off of Michigan. It's just me basing it off of Maryland. Um, same exact situation after a, on the horizon of a big game. We really thought Penn State was going to struggle with this Maryland team um, overlooking their next game versus Michigan, and Penn State just manhandled them. And after we just saw what Michigan did to Maryland and them looking over the horizon to the Ohio State game, even with no hardball on the sidelines, I just think Michigan's going to – Bears Maryland on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I would be, I would normally take the uh, devil's advocate here, but I just don't see it happening. I think they're they're pretty locked in. They're focused. They have extra motivation, extra chip on their shoulder because it feels like ever it's uh, us against the world type mentality with the way they're going after Harbaugh. So I think they're going to be playing for him in spirit of him, and. They're just going to take care of business, and they're just going to ride that right into Ohio State. I think they're going to have no problem covering the 19. And coming up next with that, Minnesota plays Ohio State. Minnesota has had an okay year. They're right at 500. They haven't felt like they've been good since, like, the turn of the century as a program as a whole. But um, the over-under is 27.5. You think Ohio State clearly – um, covers that as well with a 49 and a half over under. Want me to go? Um, yeah, I'm ready. Whatever you want. I, I, I think, I think they'll, yeah, cover handily. Um, I think they're kind of along the same lines as Michigan. Um, you know, I just think that they're locked in as well. They're probably pissed that they're the three. They're swapping positions. Um, I thought they were an artificial number one seed. I thought that was kind of by omission with Georgia not having a quality win in a dominant fashion. But I think that they want to return to the number two seed. And um, the first way to do it is just to have a dominant performance this weekend. Yeah, uh, I it, it, it's very tough for me. Um, I, I don't really like 27 and a half in this game. That's just a weird number to me. Um, it's right. a little high. Um, I think Minnesota is a little underrated, but Ohio State's not losing this football game. Um, I do think they win the game very easily as well. I saw 27 and a half is a very high number. Um, sneaky play I like in this game is the over, uh, over coming in at 50, which is rare for me to give out overs, but uh, <laughs> I, I do kind of like the reason I don't like the over is because the way that Ohio State wins, they win with dominant defense, which is unlike their years past. Um, I do like almost damn near pitching a shutout with Minnesota, though. Um, I like something around a thirty to thirty to six or thirty to twelve type of game. Okay. Okay. Might as well talk about the other two in the top four in the college football, where Florida State plays Northern Alabama. Don't even have a spread. And if um, Northern Alabama wins, then the show will uh, I will retire early from this. The, yeah, there, there, there's no spread list. There will be a spread come Friday, though. Usually, a game <laughs> like that, they give you a 24 hour spread. I'll be all over it. Don't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so the only other two games that I think are important to talk about, we have Washington and Oregon State. Oregon yep. State has been very hot this year. Um, lately, Washington stays undefeated at number five. They are on the road. Oregon State is your favorite at minus two and a half. Over under is 63 and a half. I'm very interested to hear your guys' perspective here. Tell, talk to me about it. Game of the week, dare I say, biggest game of the Pac 12 outside of Oregon, Washington. I, I think it has to be. Um, 
Oregon State has been playing unbelievable football. I really think it's going to be an unbelievable football game. Um, Vegas setting this line at two and a half was very interesting to me. Uh, I, I think it's very justifiable, and I think Oregon State gets the job done. Um, I, I really oh. do. Uh, oh, as much. Yeah. Uh, no, come on! You can't yeah. have them going one loss into into Oregon. No way. I. No. <laughs> I don't want it. I like I said my 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 theory, which I had five weeks ago. I can't really switch up my plan now. I guess you're right. Uh, this is what I'm going to say. I did pinpoint it. Washington was going to beat Oregon. I did originally have Washington winning this football game playing Oregon in the Pac-12 and losing that game. With that being said, Vegas Vegas gets you sometimes, and Vegas setting this line at two and a half really got me, and I, I think Oregon State wins this game on Saturday. I, 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 I can't bet it. I just can't bet it, though, because I, I, can't, I can't do it because I really, really, really want to see Oregon-Washington at Washington undefeated. I really want to see that. I was very hot on Oregon State the second half of the uh, – of the season, but I just can't, I've drank enough of my own juice. I can't do it um, with Utah. So (laughs) I've already, I've already eaten enough shit with, with, with rooting for Utah this year. Um, But I think they'll keep this game close. They'll keep it tight, but I just don't have any doubt that Washington won't prevail. I think they're just locked in. Um, I think they're ready to roll. I do like the the line of two and a half. It definitely intrigues me to like, "Mm, what do they don't know that we don't know, but um I think this is just a tough test on the road. It's going to be a low scoring, dare I say, Washington may be down at the half, but um, they'll pull themselves out of the hole. And um, I think they'll prevail at the last minute. Um, I'm not taking too much from Oregon state putting up 62 on Stanford, like Stanford's a bad team. And there were, there were a one score field goal game with, with Arizona. Um, They were basically a one score game until the fourth quarter with UCLA. So it's just, I, I, I'm just yet to, I'm remiss to be convinced that they can be a Washington, even at home um, in this altitude of a game. Last thing to discuss, Georgia plays Tennessee. Georgia's on the road. The over-under is Georgia at only 10 points. Your over-under is 58 and a half. Despite Tennessee having some very ugly losses, Dare I say, could there be a big upset here or nah? Especially with the home field advantage. There's an, um, I, I don't like, I don't smell spoiler, but I like the under um, because I think that it's just a classic banging out SEC game. Um, Tennessee, you know, they may have had a tough, tough week, but um, they'll bounce back. They have a lot of pride with that football team. Uh, in that program. So I think they'll hang tough with Georgia, but they'll prevail. They'll probably cover the 10. Yeah. Uh, I, I personally like Georgia. Um, I, I think Georgia actually wins this game by uh, 14 plus. Um, I, I do think I like the under, I, I can even see it more of like a 24, seven, like a real dog fight type of game. Um, but with that being said, I feel like it's one of those games where Tennessee keeps it tight at half and then Georgia just scores late in the third, late early in the fourth. And uh yeah, it's game possible at 21 points. That's what I think too. But I 14, I mean I you have a lot more confidence. Like are you gonna you think they're gonna ride that inertia from the last week? Because I think that Tennessee similarly is gonna have a little bit of bounce back energy. 
see. I just feel like Georgia, like Kirby Smart got the locker room. I don't know if it was the practice that got intense, but he really shipped them in another gear last week for Ole Miss. And I really don't know what he did to whip them up into shape, but I think like whatever he said, which what I believe he said was like, listen, like it's fucking goal time. Like let's win three in a row. Let's do this. Walk in. We have five games left to be national champs and hey, they can do it. You win this week, you win next week. You got Bama, then you got two more. Five wins, your national touch champs. All right, guys. Now let's transition to college basketball. I think the best way to go about this, the back is okay with you guys. Let's go through the rankings to start. And again, we'll have more attention to college basketball once this season is over. But why don't we go from 1 to 25? We can start with Kansas staying at number one. Pretty satisfied with that. A lot of scoring, a lot of office to start the season. Yeah, absolutely. Did I said number five. Seven. I meant Kansas number one. For... You said one. I oh, I did say one. Whoops. Yeah. Great. No, 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 good. Yeah, no, Kansas is uh, even yesterday versus Kentucky. Um, great game. They proved that they're the best team in the country. And, uh, yeah, Kansas is great. Dickinson looks great. Um, we'll see what this team can do. I have no opinion on one through four at the moment. Really? Why is that at even with um just to answer that we have why did I lose my thing? Okay. Purdue went up a spot through two and oh Arizona went up nine spots. They're three and Marquette is uh four. No opinion, Alex, on that. What about you, Nico? Especially Purdue's jump. Yeah, um I mean Arizona's really justified beating Duke at Duke. Uh Unbelievable. Um, Caleb Love just absolutely owns um, the Duke Blue Devils. I will say that. But uh, Purdue, um, I'm telling you, I let this team win now. Maui tournament, Maui Invitational this weekend. Purdue has a tall task uh, playing Gonzaga in the first round. And then probably Syracuse in the second. Uh, Just throwing it out there. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) we'll see what happens. Tall order for Purdue this weekend. (laughs) So we have UConn ranked at number five. Went up a spot. Alex, you're a UConn fan. What sticks out here? Well, they should be one. That's why I was silent. Um, <laughs> I understand they've beaten three crappy teams, but they've won by 30-plus in all of them. They're covering like like mad. Um, I just – I don't know. I It may be just because they're, they're repeat chance. It's us against the world vibes. But – um, they're just dominant and they look, they look red hot. They don't even look like they're being bothered yet. Um, until they get to, uh, until they play Kansas in a few weeks, uh, and then Carolina. So I'm excited to see that game. Um, that's going to be a true, the first true test of the season before we get into the big East, uh, conference play. But, um, it's just too early to, to get a read on Purdue. I just don't think that Purdue has the wherewithal to make any run in the playoffs. So I don't mean to jump from here to there, but um, they'll win a lot of games. They'll probably be a three-loss team or a two-loss team, but um, I just don't buy them over the long haul. Okay. Uh, I'm actually really hot on Marquette, though, and I think eventually Creighton's going to make some inroads right near that top five. I don't know how long they'll stay there. but I'm really hot on Marquette. I think over the long haul, they are a team to be reckoned with right there, neck and neck with UConn as well. Um, Kansas, again, is is a fallible one, but I understand why they're the number one seed. And 
Um, who was the team I'm missing as well? Um, the three is uh, three is Arizona went up nine points yeah. or oh, nine spots this weekend. Yeah, that makes sense. They're always kind of the proverbial number one for the Pac-12. So um, I'm okay where they're at at the moment as well. I like it. I like it. So if we went six through 10, it would be Houston at six, Tennessee at seven, Creighton at eight, Duke all the way at nine after starting second overall. Um, And then Florida Atlantic staying at that spot. What do you guys think about that? Um, yeah, I, I'm okay with it for now. Again, it's, it's all couched in for now. Um, I don't know, uh, really what to make of any of the teams out West yet. Um, again, I don't know if they're fool's gold or not, but I do believe in Arizona as of now. And, um, I I just, I think the real, the real wild card here is Gonzaga. I mean, what are we going to get from Gonzaga this year? Um, they were, you know, we always knew that they were going to be kind of be able to push, be pushed around as long as Timmy was still there, but they got, they got, you know, they got athletes, they got guys, they got a long backcourt. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see how far they can really cause problems for teams. I expect them to be really a lot locked down on fleek on defense. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, you're good. I, I, I was going to say like, we're just going to learn so much. Uh, FAU is a perfect example. Um, these, these teams coming into tournament week um, Monday got Gonzaga Purdue. Uh, another another great game just to see what Gonzaga really is made of going against the number two team in the country. Um, same thing with FAU. FAU has a big couple games. Uh, I, I love this time of the year. Um, these early tournaments are just great, um, and, and we'll see what happens. Um, I, I think it's very hard to tell for a lot of these teams because, like Alex mentioned, UConn's doing what they have to do, winning versus bad teams by 30-plus points. Um, and a lot of schools are doing a lot of similar things. And we'll see what happens. So if we went 20 through 10 with UNC, Texas, Kentucky, um, Baylor, the big thing, Baylor, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Miami, Gonzaga. So things to uh, point here, USC's five-spot five jump. Baylor's five spot jump and Michigan's 14 point decrease after losing to JMU to start the season. What about that with those three teams in particular who had the most movement in your top 25? Michigan today for me, for sure. Uh, I, I just really think uh, we talked about it last week. Um, that loss is a little unfair. Um, it came out cold. You shot one for 21. I think it was from three. Two for 21 was something ridiculous. Um, and, yeah, I think Izzo's going to get the boys fired up. They're going to be figured out. Um, they have a big couple months ahead of us, and we'll see what happens. But uh, long story short, uh, that that is my biggest take out of the rankings this past week was, yeah, you have to drop them, but 14-plus boss is a little egregious. Yeah, 14 is huge. I mean, if you're going to make those – accusational like really big swings when you're like over assessing these teams then i just i just need to see consistency like i would much rather after one bad loss maybe like a four or five team slide but again there's more teams in the mix particularly with the top 25 and that at the the edge of the 25 that 
you're going to have a lot more invite to be swayed up and down that hierarchical scale throughout the regular season because of the fact that there's 33 games instead of 13. So um, if you're going to have these big swings, I just expect it from the other teams as well that have uh, a down week. All right. Okay. Can I I just touch on the Michigan State thing one more time, Matt? I'm sorry. Uh, One thing that's baffling me about this is James Madison is the number 24 team in the country. So you're telling me when – these standings came out two nights ago. James Madison, you have them as a ranked team this high, and then you're going to realistically cut out Michigan State by 14 spots. And not only to mention, Michigan State obviously just watched, lost that classic game to Duke yesterday. It was a really fun game to watch. But uh, you're going to go ahead and tell me Michigan State's not going to be the top 25 after you had them three going into the year. I think right. it's a bad look by the, by the ranking committee. For sure. Probably don't like Izzo and uh, James Madison's got to get into a Power Five conference. The only explanation could be that they're weighing a one and two record this early in the season against if the season were to end today, which still makes no sense because it's like you're you know that there's thirty more games to be played. So why would you assume that if the season was to stop today, that which it won't, that they would be out of the top twenty-five? Like I don't understand that. But but my yeah, and my like with that said, like my biggest problem is this ranking came out when they were one and one. So now you're telling me you're right. gonna you lose the Duke. Like what? Like how do you drop a team like that out of the top twenty five? You're exactly right. Like how do you do that to a team that you're so high on to start of the year? It's just didn't mean to freak out a little bit, but it pisses me off. I hate. I encourage you. Like and like I encourage I, you. I I I, I love Izzo, and like it's just completely unfair. Always show all of your emotions here. <laughs> and last but not least, it's fair to give you some discussion points about your Syracuse men's basketball team. Beat New Hampshire to start the year. Kinesis. That's how you pronounce it. Kinesis. Yep. And then and then uh, Colgate. Um, starting off 3-0 and are ranked first in the ACC. And um, big game against number seventh ranked Syracuse on the on Cyber Monday, um, next Monday. What do we think about the hot start and then the big game against Tennessee coming up? Um, I'll say a few statements. Um, plug in the NFL show once again. If you little Easter egg for you, if you watch the first <laughs> half hour, my eyes were really focused on the we were on focused on the pot 100. <laughs> but I was also looking to the right and having some reactions. Um, Syracuse came back from a 24 point deficit the Colgate yesterday, which was just wow. absolutely phenomenal. Um, we pressed the whole second half. Coach Red Autry got the team fired up, got us locked in. Um, I'm all in on the Syracuse team, even though the BPI had us going nine and twenty-two, and Kim Palm was ten and twenty-one. Already um, a third of the way there, huh? If you bet, yeah, that right. You're telling me I'm going to get six more wins for the next three and a half months? Like that's that's absurd. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that playing number seven Tennessee, and then I was talking to uh, a friend of mine that's also a big Syracuse fan. They're like, "Oh, we got a tough matchup with Tennessee." Yeah, not only do you have a tough matchup with Tennessee. Win or lose that game, you're if you win that game, you're playing the winner of Purdue Gonzaga. Lose that game, you're playing the loser of Purdue Gonzaga. Uh, so this team's going to be tested early, which we really didn't see in the last couple years of the Bayheim era. So I'm very excited to see uh, how this will help us now and how it's going to help us come ACC play. Uh oh, yeah, it's great. It's a great point. 
staying loyal might get rewarded. So with that, Nico and Alex, great stuff on your perspective for college basketball and college football. We'll see you next week for some some crucial NFL action. We'll see that on Wednesday. And we will also release the show on Thanksgiving Day for the college football. So for the college football big week ahead. And um, so right before you enjoy your Thanksgiving meals, check us out and it will take you all through the weekend. So good stuff, gentlemen, and we'll see you soon. Peace, boys. This is a very productive conversation. Great job, Alex and Nico. Man, I... I can't believe college football is almost over. So let's let's enjoy what we have left. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding the show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, X and Twitter at Procavo Pod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations and Facebook at Productive Conversations. So tomorrow's a feel good Friday, November 17th, and we have two podcast dropping for you one we do our normally scheduled t- tweet cap and i had our stories ready on tuesday so much happened so much to laugh about so much to ponder about and clearly we have a lot to discuss here with a new tweet cap right before thanksgiving as well as our first nba show of the 2023-24 season now i no, we've been trying to get this up there all this week, but we have it edited and we are going to drop it on Friday as well. So a double dose of the Productive Conversations podcast this Friday to have you get ready for your weekend before Thanksgiving. And we are going to make the most of it because next week is going to be very busy. Thanksgiving, Black Friday, crucial college football games, Michigan, Ohio State, and a bunch of other good stuff happening next week. So we will have that all ready for you. We'll let you know how we're doing the pods next week because obviously we have a different schedule, but expect us to do our normal NFL and college football shows, and we will figure out what we are going to do for TweetCap next week. But regardless... Check us out for a new tweet cap tomorrow. We got a big NBA show for you tomorrow, and we will get ready for some good times ahead. Thank you to Alex and Nico for your contributions to the show today. Thank you to Dolo Ren, a.k.a. Alex DeJesus, for what you do behind the scenes. And I want to thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for supporting us no matter what. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations Podcast. I'll see you tomorrow and have a great rest of your day. And don't forget to check in on your friends and family. All right, we will see you tomorrow. Peace.